Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. Hello and welcome to How to Exit Podcast. Today I'm here with Sam Turner. Sam has an extensive senior corporate career helping uh, to scale the, his last company from 0.8 billion to uh, 6 billion in sales. Has spent the last 15 years outside of the UK. <clears throat> He's since moved in, uh, from the corporate world into the world of entrepreneurship through acquisition, being a co-founding partner of Avantos. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Avantos, all right. Equity partner and uh, the founder and CEO of Avantos uh, HVAC Group, where he's already completed his first acquisition. He loves working in devel- uh, with and developing people as well as utilizing his financial, financial, strategic, and commercial skills, helping small businesses to prosper. Man, let's just get jump right in there. Thank you yep. for being on the show. Um, let's, let's jump in with like kind of what got you into this. You went from corporate world. Uh, to a very entrepreneurial world. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about how how what what that brought that on and. Yeah, sure. So, so uh, my background actually, I started when I when I left school. My first job was playing football, and you'd say soccer, but so not not American football, but uh, but, but the proper football. Um, so I did that for for three years. Uh, so I'm kind of a, a sportsman at heart, but then didn't make it for whatever reason, and uh, and then sort of. Um, drifted into accountancy bizarrely but I think I say that story because I think the um the sports element and actually failing almost at that is really kind of the key one of the key drivers for me to succeed at something if that makes sense so I, you know I wasn't necessarily the most uh, academically minded um, I was okay but not you know in the top top etc but I had I had this drive to succeed, and um, I ended up. Long story short, uh, in in the corporate world, um, I was I qualified as an accountant, and worked in the travel industry um, in various uh, in various roles, being uh, uh, up to FD, uh, so finance director roles, uh, commercial director. So I moved from from finance to the commercial world, um, and uh, and I was part of a, a journey, but one business that uh, yeah that scaled from you know sub 1 billion in sales to, to 6 billion so it's a massive growth that included acquisitions um but we and we were sold actually we were we were part of a listed uh 5100 business um here in the uk and we were sold to private equity and then with that came uh the desire to go and acquire our, our largest competitors which we did we into we spent a couple of years integrating these businesses it was very very painful and that's part of my philosophy going forward about whether to integrate or not, it kind of stems a little bit from my experience there. Um, but anyway, in terms of then why I decided to leave that um, was for a couple of key reasons. I think the first was, you know, I was living outside the, the UK with my family. I've got two young kids, twins, that they're, they're nine years old. And at the time, this was two years ago, at the time, I was on a plane pretty much every week, um, either on a Sunday or a Monday. And it got to the point where my daughter was literally, you know, started to cry when when I said you know I was having to go again on on a Sunday so that was kind of one one big driver I thought I don't want to do that forever the second was um it got quite um the politics let's say in the corporate worlds were 
something that just I just disliked, uh, intensely disliked, and that's not for me. And, you know, one of my key value is integrity, and I just don't like this kind of element of you know going behind, trying to manipulate things, etc. It's just not for me. So that that was the second one, and the third one was. Um, I was in a fairly responsible position, you know. We had almost a couple of thousand people in my in my team um, all over the world, and yet I wasn't really able to make any big decisions. And I felt like, you know, the, almost a bit of a puppet in a in a role that couldn't actually make any decisions. So, I think the three things compelled me to leave and to to do something different. I managed to uh, to secure an exit that was that was good and spent some time off, which was which was nice. Um, and then I, and I was really thinking about doing two things. One is property investing, and I know it's something that you've uh, you've done and you've come from, and you're, you're still in there. And the, and the other was was investing in in small business. And and I spent a lot of time reflecting on you know what 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 were my strengths, what did I really enjoy, um, and I sort of quickly came to the conclusion that actually it made much more sense to put my skills to use in a business context, work with people that I love to work with. Um, and actually uh, go that that route. So that's kind of the driver behind why I went there. And obviously, it enabled me to then do something for myself. So where my decisions were, you know, I was accountable, but I also had the decision making capability. So, so that was that was great. Um, and then I spent a lot of time reading, digesting content, going on various courses, um, and built a, like a network of of people. Um, I was living in Switzerland at the time, and uh, we, uh, a number of us that were as part of like a mentoring or an accountability group after one of the sort of training programs, decided to um, to try to work together. Um, uh, and that's when we created Advantos uh, Equity Partners, which was about probably 10 months ago, something like that, 10, 11 months ago. Um, there's five of us, five partners. Um, we're all coming from different backgrounds. And um, and then my, my I guess that was how I sort of got got into it, and um, we can cover more in terms of why why the industry that I've chosen and, and and that sort of thing. But that's kind of my my key drivers were that I was fed up with the corporate world. I wanted to do something where I could really utilize my skills. I mean, I really value working with people. Part of my role in the, in the corporate world was working with small businesses, so they were my my customers, um, and I really relished actually helping them to grow. Um, you know, maybe slightly less sophisticated, but you know, there were easy things that we could do to help people grow. So that really, really strikes uh, a chord with me: helping small businesses to grow, and working and developing people. And that I think is is critical in into a critical component of what I'm trying to do now. I don't think real estate would have been a bad choice either. But uh, right before, I mean, like right before you jumped online with me, I actually got off the phone with one of my real estate investment friends who I convinced to take a look at what we're doing, buying businesses and stuff. Uh, about a week or two ago, a, a guy called me from one of my outreaches saying that I'm looking for business to buy. And he had owned a tow truck company before mm -hmm. and wanted his business partner died. Short story, the business partner died to make sure the business partner's family was taken care of. They sold the assets off. He thought he was done. He took a couple years off. And now he's back working for another tow cut company, landing hundreds of thousands of dollars with the contracts for him, and it's just eating him alive. So he calls me off of one of my ads and says, do you invest in, like, and he explained what he's doing. I was like, yeah, that's too much of a startup for me. But I have, and it's going to take more time than I have, but I have somebody that may be interested. So I introduced him to the real estate investor, private lender friend of mine, 
who was wanting to try something like this. He says that 60,000, I can't buy a house here for that. And the money I'll make per year is, you know, multitudes times what I would take if I, you know, if I bought, if I put $60,000 down on a house. And I think that's um, one of the things I've done is, um, is sort of put together a, 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 a presentation or a deck for investors because we have some um, some investors that have committed some some capital, and one of the things that really excited me, despite you know it's not necessarily just about the money. Um, I think I have other drivers, and even with the money, I think I have a very clear driver behind why why the money's a, a one of those drivers is to do something with that. Um, so so I'm very clear about that. But what was interesting when researching this is if you look at the average returns in this type of asset class. In terms of buying into this, whether it's um, um, this kind of search fund model or the ETA, so the entrepreneurship through acquisition model, the the average and the data around this, the average returns, you know, massively outweigh um, any other type of asset class. Um, and when you consider that the the risk profile is not is not gigantic, it's not it's not like betting on an idea. Um, it's you know you're you're, you're acquiring in, in many cases uh, very established um, cash flow streams. So I think that once you start to understand that, I think that's that's really interesting for um, for people to to get involved with. Cool. We have a, a guest, Perez. Perez says hello. So so, so anyway, um, it's always cool to have somebody jump in and say something. If you have any questions out there, if you're listening, you have questions, ask us. So uh, I'll, we'll try to get to them. Um, so. You were in the corporate world. You you got retrained. You kind of evaluated your next move. I kind of that's interesting. I did the same kind of thing. Funny thing was is that private investor is actually uh, that I was telling you about in a previous life, or I'd say a couple of years ago. He was one of the uh, Robin Madonna's trained uh, coaches type of guys. Yeah. And uh, I I brought him on to help me with like a performance coach, and then we become really great friends. And uh, he still coaches me, even over friends. Like he's a retired Marine Corps, so you can imagine what that coaching looks like. A lot of times, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, smack, yeah. smack, 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 right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had him. You know, I, I brought him on, like we I connected with him because it's kind of helped take me to the next level. And one day, I'm, I had a real estate investment firm. And one day, we were closing some deals, and he, we had a call with him, or I had a call with him. He says, "Man, with everything you know, you should be playing a bigger game." Ever since that point, I would close a house, right? And our business, not me, but the business would make thirty or forty thousand dollars on that deal. And then the back of my head is like, but you should be playing a bigger game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh and I'd already been training people in investing and I was already training people to take the next step. And you know, the logical next step of real estate is go from residential houses to like things like uh, RV parks, apartment complexes, you know, yeah. mobile homes, like cash flow. So I was coaching people to do that. And I was like, I don't want to go against, I, I had five or six of my good friends I coached into moving to that next. And I was like, if I take that same approach, because I'm at the stage where I really need to do something different. If I take that, I'm competing with everybody I trained, right? And, yeah. I don't, and I'm pretty c competitive. I would dominate them. And I just didn't feel right about going in and just like out-marketing them. and like, you know, and, and you know, if you're listening, they, they, everyone of them's got an ego. Like, ne you'd never be able to dominate you. I, it, that's what the other guys thought when I got into the foreclosure business too, right? But uh, stopping foreclosures. I honestly, uh, I, I did this jump because I seen an opportunity here. And I'm sure you see that same opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's taught in yeah. all these courses. Yeah. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of businesses that either are going to shut down 
yeah. or be sold or transferred in the next five to 10 years. And yeah. there's just not enough buyers around. So, um, and I was just telling you before the show that one you chose the heat and air business, that is just amazing. Uh, I just had Adam coffee on the, on the show. Uh, he'll probably come out just before you do, but, uh, he, they built a billion dollar company, yeah. you know, from the heat and air space, right. Yeah. Went through acquisitions and mergers, they buy a cornerstone, they buy uh, like, well, you've already got your one. And then they started added onto it by buying others yeah. Yeah. and expanding that way. And, uh, his thing is the private equity wants to see a 30% growth. So and the only way to really hit that, you can run a business really well, even in the heat and air space. And, you know, businesses typically get 10, 15% growth, maybe 20% growth. On a good year. Yeah. On a good year, you start adding acquisitions and mergers, you can hit that 30 pretty evenly because you're For buying sure. other companies that are growing at 10, 15, 20. Yeah. Right. So uh, he said it's almost not, you're almost not able to do it without buying other companies. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, did he, did you, do you know, in terms of the model that he used, was he looking at um, sort of acquiring and consolidating the companies or how, how did he do it? He did it inside. It sounds like to me through our conversations that he did it totally through the private equity model, meaning the private company, private equity company hired him as CEO because he came from a different, like a corporate world. Yep. To go out and be the CEO of these, the cornerstone company and help grow. So, but the cool thing was, is he, learn very well and he's written two books on it on what a private com equity company is looking for and then how to sell to the next private equity company right so yeah. there there were somewhere he actually said he did i think the max was a five so he they he got brought in they grew it they sold it to another one a private equity a bigger private equity yep. uh, a lot of people if you're new to uh uh, acquisition entrepreneurship, understand that there's tiers, right? Most of us that are listening here, we're buying companies. We're looking to buy companies at that, you know, 1 million turnover uh, in the UK for you listed in their revenue in the United States. I say that because in, here in the United States, we say tone or turnover. It's the employees leaving. Turnover okay. is like how fast you're losing your employees. Yeah. And not, you know, in there it's revenue, right? It's, yeah. it, it's the, uh, so, uh, so our revenue is your turnover, but, uh, most of the people that, you know, we're, our circle is looking, they're right below that private equity model. They're kind of one to 5 million, you know, or $10 million in EBITDA where the private equity is, or sorry, one to $5 million in, in, in revenue yeah. where the private equity companies, what he was saying is they're starting out at that. Maybe some of them are at 1 million in EBITDA, but most of them are at 1.5 million and up. That's yeah. where they, they'll start buying and looking at you at that. But uh, so, Yeah. What's your game plan, man? You, you've bought one. You, you've got that. You got in. You did the training. You formed a team, which yeah. is critical. I want people to understand that. You know, why didn't you go it on? You know, uh, that's a great question. What? Why did you not go it on your own? You've got the experience. Yeah. So, so, so I think working with other people is is first and foremost. You got to understand um, what's your preference. And my preference is to work as as work with other people and um, that's what I like it's what I enjoy we touch base every every single week we're discussing deals every single week we're discussing best practice uh, how to raise capital in this market blah 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 so all of that is is much easier I think and much more enjoyable doing it as part of a team um, so this is I guess first and foremost but I, th I think it also helps because we we can um, we can bring opportunities together so there's more if you like eyes and ears in the market so we can all be involved in each other's deals which effectively we are um, so it just it just compounds your ability to connect, I think, with uh, with more businesses, 
with more investors, with more, um, you know, maybe debt capital providers, you know, just with, with, with a greater sense of, of connection to stakeholders. Plus, it's more enjoyable. And uh, that, I, from, 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 from my perspective, now maybe others, they prefer doing it on their, on their own. But, uh, but that's, that's, that's what we've done. The way, the way we've um, the way we've done it is uh, we, we we still have a fairly kind of loose model in the sense that um, so for example the the HVAC business and, and that's the roll up um, that I'm uh, involved in and leading is effectively my um, uh, my focus but the others are investing are as part of my investor community let's say have pledged capital to that and one of them is sitting on the board of, of that. So that's how we're still in, involved, and obviously we update together every week. How's it going, etc. Um, likewise, that the, the you know, other deals that these guys are doing, maybe in more technology-related uh, areas, maybe one or two of us. So I'm investing in one. Uh, other people are investing in one or two. So it's not like everyone is investing the same in every deal. Um, it's kind of open, um, and then and then we create the structures based on who wants to participate in 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 that in that field. But so far, it's worked worked well, and uh, and yeah, my, my game plan is to is to build sort of ten plus companies uh, in the coming three to four years. Um, we're looking at building initially, um, and this, I say initially because this is the deck that we had for for investors. And what we're saying to investors and the, and the banks also is we'll get to fifty million revenue in um, in four years. Uh, principally through through acquiring that uh, business, so we, we we don't assume a huge amount of growth uh, in that. We acquired the first business end of November. That's about a five and a half million pounds revenue or turnover <laughs> business. Um, so that's kind of bit, that's gone very well. The transition's been 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 really good, um, and it's about then looking at uh, looking at the next. I've just signed. Um, last week, actually, heads of terms on on another, and I've got one that we're about to sign heads of terms on now. So, so that will be that will be three, but I'm hoping for um, you know another another three in addition by the end of this this year. So, I have a couple of questions in that sprint. Do you mind sharing what the EBITDA was on the five million? Yeah, it's about uh, about eight nine percent. So it's about four hundred thousand uh, pounds. It's not bad. I mean, ten percent, I think, is average. But I like yep. which, so you you've got clearly room to grow inside of that. There are some service companies. Um, it's funny as I own a pest control company. Uh, I bought it out of a favor to a couple of relatives, uh, or I say bought it. We started buying it, and then I ended up pretty much creating one from scratch because the guy we were buying it from like was really a mess. So right. I think we got some of his equipment and maybe some of his customers. And uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, the rest of it we had to start over with. So big mistake. Then I went and got trained because like I bought this wrong. <laughs> so I went and got trained. But so you, you got your first, uh, you know, as I say, the pe- reason I got into it, it's like it's not uncommon for a pest control company to have a 30 or 40 percent profit margin. Like it's, wow. the, the industry standard is yep. uh, 18 to 20. But there, if you're really lean and I'll you're really that. careful, yep. you can push that number. And I, I just... Yep. I didn't believe it until I seen three or four that were set for sale and they were claiming 35 and whatever, you know, profit. I'm like, whatever, you know, brokers lie. That's a lie. Yeah, you know, yeah. then I, I seen another one, then another one. So I better go check this out. So I haven't done the research on HVAC, but I, I have to assume you could push that number up probably to 15 or 20. Yeah, it, it depends, you know, HVAC, uh, which, which area. I mean, you've got different, let's say, trades within there. You've got the, the heating side, air conditioning side. 
uh, the, the more the plumbing, you know, is it on, on the products or service? Or, you know, there's, there's a kind of a, a quite a large scope and, and our our scope is quite large. So we want sort of a complementary set of businesses, not all the same, not all exactly the same company. But I would say on average, the, the kind of margins range between five and 10 percent. So it's not, okay. it's, not a, it's not a high margin uh, business, but there are some businesses within there and, and some that we're looking at that are 15 percent plus. Yeah. I'm actually going to Google it right now because I'm curious what it is in the United States. Let's see if it's a, yeah, you're right. 10% or higher is like, uh, is possible is what it says. I figured in the United States, it might be higher because we charge the snot out of people for HVAC. But I was <laughs> curious what, if there was a disconnect between the UK. So if you ever look and see me, uh, you guys on the show, if you see me glancing over here, I, I run this podcast on a four monitored monster of a computer so I can do multiple things and answer questions. Uh, someday, I'll, someday I'll be famous enough to have a, pro, uh, a production engineer that will just feed me that stuff in a chat line or something. <laughs> so the second question I have is, are you growing? So there's a couple different ways could, this could grow, right? Yeah. Uh, HVAC is pretty cool because you could just be residential. You could do residential commercial. You could do commercial and like do HVAC fixing uh, walk-in coolers and that type of stuff inside of you know gas stations, restaurants, and all that stuff. There's so yeah. many different aspects. Is that what you say mean when you say you're going to expand in its capabilities? So what? So so our our scope is to buy complementary businesses or HVAC and complementary trades. So let me give an example. So one one company that we're we're at heads of terms with now is an is an electrical installation and and maintenance company so that's where i was say, going next you wouldn't say you wouldn't say exactly hvac uh, mm-hmm. but it's on the fringes but if i look at the one trade that is supporting the heating side most and is dependent on is probably the electrical side so there is a very clear um complementary aspect there and 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 for example our first business is focused um, almost 100% on the residential market, but on the new build residential market. So they install all of the heating and plumbing elements off new builds properties. So, but we're talking about large scale developments, not individual properties. But um, but this uh, electrical company is focused on the retail, so like a commercial um, customer base. But again, if I look at both of those customer bases, they both need electricals. Uh, and they both need sort of more the heating and 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 uh, and plumbing and, and elements. So so the cross sell opportunities there when you get into customer bases are very significant. So you don't need to focus on it has to be the same exactly the same type of business because my my philosophy um, is very much not to consolidate businesses together because I just see you typically destroy more value than you create. Um, even in a large company, so in a small company, you w- undoubtedly will cre- will destroy more value than you create, unless you've got literally exactly the same businesses, and therefore it makes sense to put them all on one system, one back office, you know, one sales function, blah blah blah. Um, but so, given these are not, we will we'll keep them and run them as like uh, individually uh, autonomous business uh, businesses within a portfolio, so within a, within a group. But we will create um, a model to for them to be able to collaborate and, and share best practice, talent, um, capital, um, you know, access to bigger contracts, cross-selling of opportunities between um, customers and suppliers, um, and that cross-selling element just from the conversations I'm, I'm having, I see is is really massive. Now you've got to be careful not to kind of be too too quickly going after that. You need to kind of slowly, slowly, not to disrupt the the kind of momentum of the business as it is. Um, but the upside there, I think, is is, is is very big. And then you don't get into the, 
the perils of how to smash businesses together and, and reduce cost and, and stuff, which I think is a, a recipe for disaster in there in this in this in this type of business for me. So it's interesting because we have the same strategy. The way I'm gonna focus on growing the pest control company is I've already been in negotiations for the last year on <laughs> like six different ones here in town, but I will buy one larger pest control company because I bought this one too small. But yeah. after that, when I was like, I'm in Tulsa, this, this business is in Tulsa. When I'm ready to go to like say Oklahoma city, which is a hundred miles away, I will not buy a pest control company down there. What I'll do is maybe something that is great to cross sell with. So for me, yeah. um, you know, uh, like a cleaning service, like somebody, a cleaning service that cleans houses that yeah. actually has 25 or more, uh, you know, doing two or $3 million a year, got 25 more employees yeah. doing that. And then the cool thing is, is whatever office is there, I'll go ahead and license a pest control out, park two trucks out there, hire two employees. So yeah. my operations here will have a, a footprint there. Right. And then the same thing, the operation in Tulsa will get, will start doing, will follow their process for cleaning, get cleaning crews here and start getting jobs here. And that's how I plan to expand it. Sounds like you could do the same thing. You, you, when you enter new markets to avoid the collaboration or, you know, sorry, the integration, you just, for you, I mean, for what you're doing, heat, heat and air, a foam insulation insulation company that actually has the tools to tech th uh, detect thermal leaks and stuff like that would be awesome for you, yeah, right? Yeah, hey, we're yeah. installing, you know, we're installing a high efficiency unit, but I can tell your windows and doors are probably not going to hold the air very well. Would you like us yeah. to have our, you know, our, our insulation company come out, scan your house, show you where you need some help, right? Exactly. And, and, and there's a, it's a great example. I had a call with a, with a company um, earlier today. Uh, and they specialize in renewable um, renewable energy, which is obviously the sort of key thing, um, attacking the sort of the key um, climate change issues, which heating the heating industry is is uh, is a big part of. And, you know, you could see absolutely them being part of the group to then provide the expertise for the rest of the group. And actually having that within the group is a, is a massive compliment because. They're doing well, but they're very small. They can't do everything that they that they could get because they just don't have the access to resources, etc. But if they're working as part of a bigger group with lots of, let's say, people who are doing the maintenance and installations of, of the different uh, uh, heating systems, then their expertise can actually permeate into what these guys do, and they you know can add more value that way. And that's another thing I think with with the heating space, given that it has it is such a you know, I wanted an industry that wasn't going to be disrupted by Google and, Google and Amazon. That, that for me was clear. Um, but actually, to say it's completely stable is also not correct because the the the, the industry is shifting away from uh, away from gas. I mean, here in the UK, the government has kind of announced that after a certain period of time, there's no more gas boilers will be fitted in in houses, which is what everyone has today, and it's still what's going in new built housing. So there's new technologies that are going to come along and we need to be at the forefront of that. And I think that that's what I'm trying to do as well, positioning businesses that can leverage that as well as, you know, one or two businesses that really are at the forefront of of uh, of that to, to take forward. And I think in terms of creating value for the group as well, when I think about an exit, which is years down the road, is not is not tomorrow. I think clearly any kind of energy related or heating related to, or HVAC related company has to be demonstrating that they're at the forefront of that. Yeah, my my you might be able to develop the same vision. My vision with the uh, uh what we call it is lullaby pest control. So I actually have the card on my desk here so you can actually 
see the, we let my daughter name it. <laughs> oh, sorry. It was off center. Was I forgot the, the, uh, there he goes. There you go. Right. Yep. My, my, my daughter was about four or five when we were putting this all together. She's six now. And, uh, we were outside with, uh, my cousins that were, I was, you know, helping buy this thing and we we're trying to name it. And my daughter said, no, no, no. You guys are going to call it lullaby pest control. Cause you guys, you guys wouldn't kill bugs. You're just putting them to sleep. Right. So, uh, <laughs> You know, it was like, you know, that's kind of cool. So uh, it, it basically yeah. the logo there says lullaby pest control, but it says uh, so you can sleep better at night. That's all it says on it. Right. Um, good. Good. But, like, you know, I hope to turn it into, you know, something you could do, too. Is like instead of calling it, you know, uh, Avantos, um, you know, what do you got it there? HVAC group. It yeah. could be what I'm going to do with lullaby. Eventually it'll be lullaby home services. Right. Yeah. And I want to have the, if you need a handyman, I want you to call me. If you need your house cleaned, I want you to call me. Yes. Right. And you know, when the, when the cleaners go in there and she sees, like, she sees a bug, she goes, Hey, uh, and she sees something crawl underneath one of the doors. She yeah. goes, you probably should call our handyman service and have them replace the threshold. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, there's like, they just, they're, I would keep them independent like you. I don't like, I don't like the idea of integration. You know, some, maybe they have their own, we all use one CRM, but they all have their own kind of zone in it. So they don't see everybody yeah. else's garbage. Yeah. But, uh, I want them to, we would have me, I mean, my, my vision is we'd have meetings where they're all there and we're all cross training. This is what you say when you see this. Yes. Right. And, uh, some of my guys, like, I mean, we kind of, we kind of do this already. We do some clean outs and stuff because of the pest control business. We show up, you know, we have investors that buy houses like, Oh my God, it's covered with bus bugs. And we show up and it's like, there's stuff everywhere. It's like, you know, the best way to do with this is to have it cleaned out completely. We know you're going to remodel it anyway for $400 or whatever the number is. My crew will come in there with dump bed trailers and haul all that stuff off. Then we'll spray the house when there's no garbage there. Right. What we don't tell them is we spray it for free first because we want to kill as many bugs as we can before we put that stuff in our dump bed trailer and haul it around. <laughs> but, you know, we spray it, put it, you know, uh, haul it off, spray it again. And, uh, you know, but you guys could do the same. Like you could have a home services business where somebody shows up and they just like they can get you squared away, which is pretty much pretty much anything that happens at your house. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a that's a good vision. Um, I, I think what we need what we need to do is is, is have some of the core services, um, yeah, air conditioning, electricals, plumbing, heating, w within the within the um, within the group, and then and then sort of work out how they can over time come together and provide the services. Because some are you know servicing commercial customers, some are servicing um, final customers. Um, so you know we, we need to figure it all out, but it, it's exciting. But I, lo I love the uh, I love the vision around the sort of lullaby. Maybe that's the kind of like the umbrella brand. Then is it the kind of lullaby? group yep. or something like that, or lullaby home services uh, group but maybe with individual businesses within that yeah i think that i think that you guys have the same play there let's jump back to your deal you've done already how did how did you guys fund that did you like do a really creative deal and the the seller funded it or did you do an lbo model or where a leverage buyout yeah so, so it was a i would say it's more typical lbo deal um so we used the combination of equity um, debt, external debt, and deferred consideration. Um, for me, that's probably the way that we'll look. So, look at the the next few deals at least. Um, what, what what I will then look at is um, is having a model whereby companies can join um, through a share based a share swap based approach, um, because. At the moment, we're sort of obviously buying companies that people want to exit, but maybe there are companies that people don't want to exit. And I, I know actually a few of my 
let's say, not close friends, but friends um, who own businesses in this space. I think they're, they're still young enough, but, but actually they have no exit plan at the moment, you know, and what, you know, maybe their business is doing a couple of million pounds turnover revenue. Um, but what's the future for, for them? They have, and when you talk to them, they have, uh, they have no plans. And you mentioned about, well, you know, if you actually be part of a group, you could sell, swap your shares there that, you know, you explain it to them all of a sudden they're, they're kind of going, well, that sounds really, yeah, sounds really interesting. So that, that I will do. Um, but that will be after we've got the first few businesses uh, on board. So yeah, this deal was was um, uh, was I would say more a more typical uh, uh, LBO. We actually negotiated the deal um, with I think initially it was something like 45, 50% on completion. Um, and what happened is the numbers turned out to be worse because they only do the numbers once a year. <laughs> so so it was at the end of the year, but they hadn't done the statutory count. So when they did that, they had a bit of a surprise on the numbers and the numbers came down. So we renegotiated the whole deal. And instead of, you know, a, a, a purchase price of closer to 2 million, it ended up being closer to 1 million. But what I did do is pay more upfront. So that's where the external debt was helpful. So I paid, I think, um, two thirds or 70% upfront with 30% deferred. Um, and that's that's the model that we um, that we used. Now, did you guys have the? Does the UK have anything equivalent to what we call the SBA, the Small Business? No, no, unfortunately not. I mean, the, the access to that in the US would be good. I mean, we're we're looking to also add somebody somebody from the US to give us that kind of um, reach into obviously that huge market. But um, no, we don't. And I think actually financing and funding in the UK is something that you would think actually given. The, the UK and London especially is one of the financial centres of the world access to capital would be very easy very straightforward but I think in comparison to, to many many countries including others in Europe it's the opposite so actually access to funding for deals that are I would say sub uh, half a million EBITDA are very very difficult there's very few lenders in the in the market that will want to touch that um, most most deals will look at uh, asset-backed finance uh, only, so most lenders will look at that. I was lucky to find a to find a lender that's supporting now not just this deal but the whole plan, which is which is great uh, on a pure purely sort of cash flow lens, so not uh, not with a asset-backed uh, let's say finance. I was going to so say, I was curious on how many assets a heat and air company would have. You got your tools, which are not probably fundable. Got your no. trucks, maybe, maybe fundable. But, you know, here there are some companies that we consider like solid long-term contracts. So con contracts of two or more years with the government or some corporation that's just a cornerstone that's not going anywhere. They would consider yeah. that an asset and actually kind of you can finance against something like that. Yeah. But uh, I was curious when you said it was asset-backed. I was like, what assets does a heat and air company have? It's well, a service-based business. Yeah, the, the main the main asset normally in a business like that is debtors. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, that's the kind of the, the probably the easiest asset to finance as well. So you can normally get on a, between 80 and 90% or between 70 and 90%, I would say, depending on the quality of debtor. Um, so... So that's that's the big one, but even that wouldn't wouldn't have been enough in terms of the, the level of debtors in the business. So yeah, it, it is tricky, and I think what I do see is a lot a lot of people now 
um, wanting to get into the space to look at buying businesses. Uh, they do, you know, a, bit, a couple of courses and think, you know, this is the the the, the easiest way to to make money. Um, and then realize that it's actually not as simple as, as, as that. I mean, if you do things the right way, it, it, it's not complicated, but I think there are certain things that um, you need to understand. And, uh, and, and I think many people don't. And I think that's, that's where we have a, a challenge. And I think you mentioned earlier where you've got this disconnect of, of buyers and sellers. And, and, I, and I do see that. I, I know the stats are all about the US. There's millions of businesses that you know, with through the retirement sales are going to come up, and then nowhere to go, and it's really sad, isn't it? Because like like you said, I mean, what's going to happen with those people, um, with um, with those services, and and I think the, the same will be true in the UK and other markets. And yet, I, I don't think we're still doing a good enough job educating people on on how to do that and actually connecting connecting the dots. Because I still see lots and lots of people thinking they can just do the following thing and then go and buy three four five six businesses and you know you look at them two years later and they're still trying to do the same thing and you know so we've got to ask ourselves what's what's missing there i think in terms of the education and uh, right in a you know i i it's here in the united states and it's probably the same there i see it it's kind of a i want to call it an insane cycle you got business owners retiring, shutting their doors and walking away, closing them off. And before I got into acquisition and mergers, I can tell you right now, I've shut the doors on one, two, three, four, five, five companies. I, I grew them, built them, you know, and the market changed, something happened or whatever. I got, or I got burned out and then started something else. And, you know, I sold one of them, you know, to a partner, like I sold my half to him. And that was just kind of an asset switch. We had a bunch of assets together in that business and I just gave him more than I took when I left. Right. So uh, that said, you know, almost every business I just kind of, okay, I'm going to do this now. This market's kind of shifting and, and I started over. It's interesting. There are so many valid business. Now that my eyes are open, there's millions of businesses that they need to have a transition plan. They need somebody like, you know, you as an entrepreneur to step in, run them and keep them going. Yeah. But most people, even me to this day, I have this thing. Well, I'll just, you know, I can't find something to, 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 uh, to buy right this second. I'll just go build something. Right. And that's the entrepreneur. The entrepreneurial thing is like, I'll just go build it. And if you look at the statistics behind that, like 95% of all businesses horrible, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that fail in the first five years, yeah. out of those 5% that succeed, only I'm going to say out of that 5%, so you, you got 100 businesses, right? Five of them make it past five years. In that, in that five that made it past you know, five years, within 10 years, only one, I think, in 100 of those five. So if you look at it, you'd have to do, you'd have to have 2000 businesses go through, make it past, you know, to what they call an area of significance. So a revenue of a million or more. Right. So you've got a shot. I think I did the math once and I might, somebody correct me. I hate doing live math, but, uh, uh, so right. I think it's a shot of like one in 2000. So if you want to create a million dollar business, statistically, you need to go start 2000 businesses, even if it's in heat and air, you have to go start 2000 heat and air companies, yeah. run them for less, you know, for five years and you'll hit one that hits a million. Yeah. Or you could go figure this out, find the financing, work with investors, lenders or whatever, and buy one that's already at two or 3 million. Yeah. Once you no, realize I, that it's just like, ah, <laughs> no, I completely agree. I think the, what you see in these types of industries um, is, a lot of people that are, you know, they, they, they're working for someone else and they get, and they go out on, on their own and they start as a one man band. And 
um, and, and, and maybe finishes a one man band or a two man band or a three man band. So, so you have a lot of those um, businesses that maybe they're not creating a new idea, but they're just kind of doing working for themselves almost um, there. But yeah, you do, you, you do see this in terms of relevant sized businesses, the chance of, of doing that from, from scratch versus acquiring, I think all the stats lead to you're better off acquiring. Having said that, it's still not natural for people to to do, is it? Because people think, well, you know, I want to start something. I, I'm the opposite, so I'm not from an entrepreneurial background. Um, whilst whilst I would say I wasn't a purely typical corporate kind of guy, um, but I always wanted to do, I want to do something by myself. But I'm not uh, I'm not an ideas person, so I'm not a well, let's think of a product or service that doesn't exist today and, you know, we'll do that. I, I'm very much a what's, you know, what's an existing, let's say, business and how do we grow that? How do we scale that? How do we do more of that kind of thing? And that, so that's why, it, for me, it fits much better with, with my skill sets as well. And the, and the final piece, and you will have done it then um, many times, is the work involved in doing that is, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And, and I'm a period of my life where I've, you know, I've worked hard for many, many years. It's like, I'm not saying I'm not going to work hard, but I, but I I'm not going to work 90-hour weeks, uh, you know, to get a business off the ground. That's not what I want right now. I've got young kids in, so all of those things together for me, it's kind of a, a no-brainer. But I, I do think that people still assume once they start to think about doing it, that maybe it's kind of easier to 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 do that than than maybe it is, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not, I get it's that. Not, I, it's not I, like I, it's not like it's majorly complex and you can do it, yeah. but you've got to go in with your eyes open about what's realistic and what's not, and therefore where to focus more. Um, and I see a lot of people scratching around stuff that's never going to happen. And that's the bit that frustrates me because I feel like maybe the, the, the education around it still is pushing people into those things that maybe is never going to happen. If, does, if that makes sense. I get that. And, you know, I honestly think, um, Almost, almost all the guys that teach this stuff, if you did exactly what they told you to do at the volume they told them that they tell you to do it, you'd probably pull it off. But most people can't. You know, you know, if you look at the program both you and I did, it's talking about you know really low down creative structures, and a lot of people say that's just not possible anymore. You know, business owners won't take that. But I can tell you, it is. Like uh, we started a roll up process for marketing companies, and yeah. within. Within 200 days, we had over $100 million, you know, about $98 million, to be honest. You know, it depends on which, which day you ask. One day it was like 89, next day it was 98. And then, but uh, we had, you know, commitments of people who are zero down, going to do an equity swap into a big roll up. And, uh, you know, in a short period of time, we were, we were already, you know, on track to do over $100 million in revenue in less than a year. And uh, unfortunately, that fell apart because of some, um, team dynamics on the team that we selected to run it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's about as far as I'm, for legal reasons, about as far as I'm willing to go inside of that conversation. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, no, no, uh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not feasible. And some of those creative structures, I think are, are, are great. What, what I, what I, what I feel is maybe still there's a disconnect between the people that are. So for example, in, in that case, you have plenty of experience in in, uh, in 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 buying, running, starting uh, businesses. So you ha you're you're drawing on all that experience and whoever else you were working with, right? So if you're new to this from from having never done it before, 
I think it's very difficult to do those sorts of complex um, elements without some kind of uh, knowledge, a real knowledge and understanding and, and, and experience in that space, if that makes sense. So I think, right. I think it's that, that a little bit that disconnect that I think the, 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 the person that's really never done anything like it, not even not done it, because I would say I hadn't done it, although from a corporate perspective, I've bought companies before, but having you know, people that have, have never been anywhere near even running a PL in, in a in a bigger business or, or anything, I, th I think it's 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 a little bit misleading in terms of saying, oh, it's so easy, you just do X X Y and Z, and I think that's that's I guess the point that I yeah I, I think it could, I think it could be refined by actually focusing them in in a slightly different way if that makes sense. So I run a couple of hangouts and, and kind of networking things where I get to meet the different people in this space around this. And I come across a lot of people who have taken these type of courses. They're employees, maybe they're IT employees or uh, even finance employees. They've never been responsible for P&L. They've never even seen one until they took this course, right? They don't know how to read a financial statement. Yep. And, you know, I, they asked me to jump on a call with them to help them negotiate purchases of business. And John's like, okay, my first step is always like, what's your team? What are your skills? And then who's on your team to fill in where you're not? Yeah. And it's remarkable to see some of these guys like, well, I want to be the CEO of this. Like, cool. What have you been the CEO of? Like, I'm not going to help you negotiate a deal from somebody and help you because that's what I'm, I, I love the negotiation side. I'll, I'll help you have that conversation. I don't have a problem getting on the phone with anybody. Never seen a phone number I didn't like. Right. Um, but that being said, I'm not going to help you do that when you're like, I got to be the CEO and you've never run anything because I'm not going to help you negotiate taking over somebody's baby, right? They created this business. They may have run yeah, it for 20, yeah. 30, 40 years. Yeah. I'm not going to be the guy that convinces them to hand it to you yeah. when you don't have a team to support it and you have no yeah. business running it, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the one thing I'm real big on is who's on your, what are your skills and what are you know, who's on your team to augment that? There's a book by Dan Sullivan called Who Not How, and I absolutely love it, right? Yeah. I, I play the joke with people on the in the merger knock. I do a knock knock joke, right? And uh, the knock, you know, I, I go knock knock, you go ahead, knock Who's knock. That? Uh, I need a I need a who. Yeah, you do. Sorry, you're gonna need a lot of who's, right? So the whole joke is is like, you know, you don't need to figure <laughs> out how to do this. You need a who. You need to figure out who who's, yeah. who do you need on your team, right? And that's the whole premise of that book. And uh, but uh it's it's incredible to, to think that you're going to go from an hour, like some of these guys aren't even at the point where they're salary, right? They're hourly waged IT or one of the guys, a janitor, right? Uh, he had a little bit of an inheritance. He had the 10 grand to play, pay for some mentoring, jumped right into this. He's like, I'm going to buy my first business. And I was like, cool. Who's going to, who's going to run it for you? Yeah. And, and, and you're completely right. And, and I, I don't want to come, come across as being dismissive of people's ambitions is not at all what I'm saying. In fact, I'm the first to help anybody who would want to reach out to me. And, and, and you know, but but it's that disconnect between what's really involved in, in, in this and, and like you say, the experience, etc. that you've got. So you have to, as you rightly say, fill in the gaps. Now, somebody could have no experience but recognize and be self-aware that they've got no experience and work hard to plug as many gaps as possible in their own knowledge and work with those people that can bring the knowledge that where, they, where they've got the gaps. And that's what, that's what you want. And that's the holistic view that I think doesn't exist enough in terms of the way the, some of the training uh, elements are there because it's kind of generic. This is how you buy. Um, 
and here's the techniques to buy. But I think buying is one thing. Um, then, then there's a lot of detail that's not really covered in terms of, you know, dealing with a lender, for example, if you haven't got a very, very good understanding, a very good understanding of the financials or somebody that has, you will struggle. You will struggle to have those conversations. So walk into that knowing that you need somebody. Again, you've not got to be an expert, but know somebody who has and research somebody. So all of this. Um, and then the first day, how are you going to stand up in front of the team and say, hi, guys, I'm the new guy. You know, what, what's if you've never done that and you can't kind of shy away, how are you going to – you've got to think about these things. And what I'm saying is it should be a little bit more holistic than than just these are the techniques to, to buy. Um, and then I think it would be more – because ultimately we want the, the same thing, right? We want actually there to be more – people that are able to do this to actually um, you know m make that balance in terms of the buyers and sellers in the market and not have thousands and, and, and potentially even more than thousands of companies have to go under because of, there's nowhere to go yeah and I'm not a, I'm not trying to discourage anybody as a matter of fact I encourage them if, if you don't know anything about running business and you're really serious about buying one buy one so big that you know this company's so big it's already got a general manager in place that's going to run it yeah. and you getting in the way is you getting in the way and yep. then you you buy it, you own it, you operate it, and you learn as you go. And uh, you know at that point, it's running well and it's yours to run, as opposed to you got to step in and help it do something which yep. you're not trained or you know have experience to yep. to do. So yep. uh, Sam, we're hitting the top of the hour now. It's 50 yep. minutes into this. Let's make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you. I, I have your LinkedIn profile on the screen, and it's standardlinkedin.com/in. And then I'm going to spell out the last part of it. Sam-Turner, S-A-M-T-U-N-E-R-S-V-T. So it's Sam Turner SVT with hy uh, hyphens or dashes in between it yep. uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you're located where, if, I, if they, they search for the Sam Turner, that's not an uncommon name. So you're located in the UK <laughs> somewhere? Yeah, in the, in the UK, not far from London, a place called okay. Bedford, for those that know it. But uh, yes, no, so that, that, that's great. Or, or also e email uh, sam.turner at advantos.com. So more than happy to, um, like I say, more than happy to, to help people that are considering getting into it. And, I, and I'm, you know, always got time to uh, to share my experiences in, in the space. Now, are you guys looking to expand in, uh, into other countries like the U.S. or other stuff at some point? Definitely, definitely. We were talking. We had a we had a, a bit of a strategic uh, goal setting, which is a bit late in the day, in in first of March or twenty eighth of February when it when it was. It was supposed to be for this year, but we we found the time uh, early this week to do that. And one of the things that we said is we want to bring in uh, a partner in the U.S. Uh, as well as in Southeast Asia as well as potentially in Australia and uh, um, for, for to have more, more parts of the world covered. I think with, with the experience that we've got, um, we don't just cover our own locations. We have got experience contacts networks in other, in other markets, but those kind of three big areas then would, would give us more global coverage in terms of looking at deals. Um, having said that, I mean, my, my, my hundred percent, my, 80% focus right now is building in the in the UK business, uh, but as a, as a group, we will be looking at uh, expanding. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned this before the show started, but before uh, uh, before we get off here, just remind me or even before we uh, after the show or something. Uh, I interviewed earlier this week Adam Coffey, which is the uh, guy who wrote the private equity uh, playbook. He created uh, uh, or he was the CEO of a. 
uh, HVAC roll-up that went over a billion dollars. So uh, I'll connect you with him. And, you know, he's here okay. in the United States. He's in California, I believe. Uh, at least I think that's what his LinkedIn profile said he was. Uh, I think he's in California. And uh, maybe he knows somebody are in town that's wanting to do that again. Like, you know, that, that you know, that could be your team member here that would, you know, already has connections and, yeah. and those HVAC companies. So if no, nothing really else, it'd be worth a conversation with Adam to see, because he, he's done it. He's been there. He knows the space. And uh, when you're ready to sell it, he probably knows the buyer because he sold, he sold that HVAC company yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Absolutely. And contacts like that. And I really appreciate the the offer, Ronald. Thank you for that. Contacts like that, conversations like that. I think even if it comes to nothing, I think conversations, and this is where I'm saying, you know, for people wanting to do something in this space, have as many conversations as possible. Because if if somebody knows more than you about something uh, and they're more than willing to give their time to to help you, then take advantage of that because that's that's what it's all about. And I think uh, the good thing is in, in, in our kind of community, I see a lot of people that are, I like that, which is great. It's interesting. I started this podcast for that sole purpose, right? Is to get out, make connections, make friends with people in the industry. Yeah. And uh, it, if you look at, I, I was telling somebody the other day, he's like, oh, have you monetized your, they asked me if I monetized my podcast, like how much it's making. He's like, I haven't even thought about that. But if you really look at it in January alone, the people I had on my podcast that I interviewed, if I would have paid for their time for that hour to hour and a half I got to spend with them, I just spent, you know, I looked at, I looked at every one of their websites. I just, I was curious. I did the math. I just spent, oh, just over $55,000 in consulting fees in January for the time that I spent interviewing those individuals. So I I do this for, to learn. I'm a newbie in this realm. Uh, You know, I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life, probably since I was a teenager, uh, mowing lawns and stuff. But, you know, but uh, I do this because I want people to know what the spaces exist. I want, you know, kind of help expand the exposure that of you know acquisition entrepreneurialism and then the second thing is i want to i want to connect you guys with each other i want the guests to to be able to reach out to this you know the uh, the audience the audience to be able to reach out to the guests and the guests to be able to talk to the other guests or, yeah um so i, I think great. that's it i think that's going to help us all and and, and you know I see opportunities popping up. I already got people reaching out to me going, Hey, are you interested in, uh, cause they heard the podcast or whatever. I've had people coming up and say, Hey, when you need funding, let me know. But you gotta be careful with those. A lot of those guys who reach out to you and say, I have funding. If it's anything like the real estate space, 99% of those are going to rip you off. So uh, <laughs> I thought about running a podcast where I just, I just interviewed the people who are offering to fund your deals. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I drill them on the podcast and see if they're scammers or not. That would be kind yeah. of an amusing one to do. I think you're right. I think, um, you know, um, having people just get in touch is helpful. Obviously you, you don't, you can't be naive around, you know, people trying to sell you something, but I think it, nine times out of 10, there's people that genuinely want to, to connect, um, talk through ideas, you know, is there any mutual interest in, in, in certain things? And, and that's great. Right. And that's what it's all about. So, no, I think you're doing a great job as well, um, and, and doing that and helping the, the community with, with, with that. With that, so if there's anything I can do at all, then then, then please do keep me in mind. But yeah, a connection to uh, to Adam would be would be fantastic. Yeah, yes, Adam Coffee. Yeah, so Adam Coffee. But uh, yeah, I'll make that connection. I'll I'll probably do it via email. Um, I, 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 was, I was making a lot of connections on LinkedIn and I just got a message this morning going, you've reached your maximum for the week. Yeah. The week, the next week. And I was like, okay, uh, yeah. maybe I got a little ambition, ambitious to, uh, to reach out. So uh, anyway, okay. great. But I'll, I'll send you guys an email and we'll introduce you guys. And uh, maybe you can help each other out. If, if nothing else, it'd be a great guy to know when you get to the point, maybe three, four years from now, when you're thinking about exiting. Definitely. Um, 
having him in your Rolodex would be amazing just because he's done it before and he knows who those buyers are. Uh, Absolutely. I think you said there's something like 6,000. Currently, there's something like 6,000 private equity companies with over 6,000 with at least, you know, 3 trillion sitting idle to, to buy something. To be able to know out of which uh, which of those six thousand are interested in HVAC companies would be uh, pretty strategically important to you. So it would be, yeah. That that yeah. kind of database and that insight would be would be fantastic, wouldn't it? So uh, no connections like that are invaluable. So thank you for that, Ronald. Thank you. We'll do that. And if there's anybody else, um, you know, you want to meet, and same thing with your audience and stuff. If you want to meet one of these uh, speakers and stuff, and you for some reason you can't reach them through what we did on the show, give you the contact. It's okay to reach out to me because I stay personally connected to a lot of these guys, and I'll you know I'll help make that connection for you. Uh, thank you for being on the show. I am going to call it a show and uh, let the industry hang out for just a second afterwards, and we'll yep. clean up anything we need to clean up. Thanks very much, Ronald. Thank you. All right, that's the show. The Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind. The Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind combines the traditional peer-to-peer mastermind introduced first in Napoleon Hill's famous book, Think and Grow Rich, with accountability partnering where your peers help you ensure that you set goals, take actions, and get results. If you want to scale, blow past roadblocks, and achieve success faster than you might think is possible, I suggest you take a visit over to TIEPM.com. That's T I E pm.com and check out the investors and entrepreneurs professional mastermind.